the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. 2023 started off with some light shining over the troubled crypto market. Bitcoin and Ethereum are up since the beginning of the year, but a word of caution. It's too early to start celebrating just yet. We're still pecking at the corpses of FTX, Terra Luna, Celsius, Voyager, and all the others that disappeared in ignominy in 2022. What happened in 2022 was the equivalent of a crypto bank run. We found out the terrible cost of leaving these companies unregulated and allowing their backroom operations to run without external supervision. FTX was taking customer deposits and showering it on all sorts of junk from Chinese websites to cosmetic creams. What happened was a systemic failure. Crypto companies lending to each other, collateralizing their loans with monopoly money in the form of crypto tokens backed up by, well, essentially nothing. What will 2023 bring? Certainly, crypto regulations are on the way. Customers are demanding and getting verifiable proof of reserves orders. Now, these aren't full audits since they don't account for the liability side of the balance sheet, but they are a start in the direction of accountability. Joining us to share his take on all this is attorney Darren Hanekom, who's kept a close eye on all things crypto for many years. Welcome back, Darren. You're no stranger to the MoneyWeb Crypto podcast. What stood out for you in 2022 and what did we learn about the crypto market from all of this turmoil? Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me back again. Very, very uneventful year. Very quiet. Not much happening in 2022. Is not uh, pretty much the sentiments around, uh, you know, the crypto and uh, financial circles at the moment. So quite a bit, as you mentioned, has happened. Quite a lot of, I think, awakening experiences um, for those who entered into the space, at least for the first time in 2022. So, I mean, there's so many things that transpired, uh, both within the sort of macroeconomic world, but also in the, in the crypto space. And I mean, some of the things that, that stood out for me, at least towards the end of 2022, after one considers everything that transpired. And I mean, the events that you mentioned was going on, it got to a point of almost daily, there was another hack. There was yet another dark hole, another missing CEO or a defunct um, exchange. And notwithstanding all of that, I think the, what stood out for me the most was actually the resilience of many of the projects. You look at CoinMarketCap, a website that tax the, the, the top coins and its movement and volume. And you look at it and you see many familiar faces, many familiar projects, many familiar uh, tokens. Um, okay, there's been a movement in, in price action, but if you consider the price action in relation to its you know, former year, it's actually still up. So for me, this, the, what stood out is the sheer resilience of some of the meaningful projects that have been around for, for longer than a, than a few months. So that's what stood out for me. I mean, we know that regulations are coming to South Africa this year, 2023, because the Financial Sector Conduct Authority announced that last year. So all these crypto service providers, they're going to have to be licensed as financial services providers. Crypto itself is going to be deemed a financial product. Explain what does this mean for crypto players? So I think the resultant effects of the FPCA's 
uh, decision to regulate the space is is overdue and is, is definitely welcomed by uh, many stakeholders. But I mean, if one really thinks about why regulators do what they do and for, for, for what purpose um, do these many volumes of practice notes and guidelines and all these nuanced things, what, what purpose does it serve? And ultimately, the regulators' aims, both in South Africa and globally, is to protect the general financial community uh, from bad actors and possibly also from themselves. And one also needs to consider where it all starts. And many of them have, many of the legislation, it's nothing new uh, in that sense. This is not concepts unfamiliar to people who operate within the financial services industry. And we know that local regulators uh, take their cue from the Financial Action Task Force, which is also known as FATF, which is the global regulator for uh, monitoring and, and combating illicit uh, money flows, illicit criminal activities. And that kind of, of enforcement has its origins in, you know, in 1980s and, and the rise of sort of organized crime. So many of the historical financial legislation has its origins at that root of combating illicit criminal flows and enterprises and, and spoke structures. So that's sort of the underpinnings of, of where this all comes from. So when you fast forward and you look at what the result of this legislation year for is a mechanism that allows these businesses to operate in one, a fair, transparent, and competitive environment. And it also allows the protection of, of retail consumers when they engage with these stakeholders. So we've seen such a rapid increase in the growth of these corporate businesses, or at least these crypto businesses. And it's a bit of a, a balancing approach in that 2022, uh, if, if one were to say, what is the, the theme? Is it, it's almost one of a rapid rise and a rapid fall. Uh, and that kind of, of financial flows could only be possible in largely unregulated environments. So what the regulation now does, it brings the innovation, the technologies into the confines of existing compliance mechanisms, thresholds that every financial services provider currently needs to comply with. And that is something which is definitely, I believe, welcomed in the crypto community because it also allows businesses to start, or crypto businesses, or as the FECA calls them, crypto financial services providers. It allows these businesses to now look at themselves and start developing mechanisms that don't just exist for purposes of growing the business or for purposes of generating revenue or new client acquisitions, but now to also start thinking about some of the other important elements such as a strong board, corporate governance, proper checks and balances, and that is what the FECA's regulations facilitate. It prevents 
situations where you have one person in charge of everything. And that's always going to be a problem. So as a result of the, the, some of the requirements, that will no longer be possible, at least for those who are serious about participating in the space. So that equally allows, and, and we've seen it, I mean, you get pretty much two kinds of, of entities these days during the anticipated draft regulations, is that you know some people have been very conservative in their approach and others but more proactive in their, in their respective rollouts. So these regulations also is most likely a topic of conversation amongst many crypto asset businesses when they need to consider as to whether they are prepared for the compliance cost. And what is also interesting and, and something um, that is a notion that is no doubt apparent is that for many developers, for many people, programmers, tech guys that, that build out these projects, for many of them, this would be their first time engaging with um, professionals within the space, debating policies, going through the documents and understanding how it might apply to them. And, and stepping into their shoes, one can see how that could be quite an overwhelming process. Someone that never spent time with compliance officers or accountants or lawyers, because that's now uh, going to become another important part of the day-to-day -day running of the business. And that's once again uh, the checks and balances that, that need to exist. Just a, a note on that, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried, who was the head of FTX, appearing on TV in short pants and a T-shirt. I think those days are over, guys. You know, it's, it's time to put on a suit, you know, dress up. If you're going to run a business with, with hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, you know, just look like uh, you, you, you filled the role. I want to ask a, a follow-up question on that. You know, will this eliminate scams like uh, Mirror Trading International and we had AfriCrypt, you know, which was really a hack or the so-called hack? I mean, it, it's just very very dodgy. A lot of people thought that was an outright scam itself. But will it in eliminate this? I mean, you, you look at FTX and how close they got to the US regulators and what they uh, were doing was kind of lobbying for a certain set of regulations that would very much favor them. And this, of course, is the, the danger that you have regulatory capture. I don't think you have that so much in South Africa because the funding of the regulator comes from the government. But uh, where you have uh, external players, you know, who who are in a position through gifts and whatever to to capture regulators, it's going to happen. Uh, so my question is: these regulations that are coming, do you think they'll, they'll stop scams like that, or are we always going to have to be vigilant for this type of thing? I think um, that it could be a great notion <laughs> to believe that it will uh, eliminate uh, scams and, and bad actors. But in practice, um, if you're close to the space, if you're watching uh, the sort of ground level of, of, of what's happening, the sheer ingenuity of, of some of these uh, guys in this space, some of these bad actors that you hear about, that you, that you see the effects of, of what they're doing, it's something that moves so quickly. There's components beyond just technology. There's, you know, what they now term as social engineering acts. Uh, you know, it sounds really James Bond. But that's it's going to become a lot harder when you have an informed consumer base. 
when you have consumers and retail market participants more critical of what it is that they are doing. And I hope that we are beyond the days of, of, of people just throwing their money at projects because they like the look and sound of the sky. Like, oh, we, we look at his, his, his big curly hair and T-shirts and shorts. I mean, surely uh, that is someone we can trust. But equally, that's not a reflection. I mean, there are equally people that wear uh, shorts and, and, and T-shirts that do incredibly well. Um, I think it's just the sort of climate where, where people have to ask questions irrespective of, of what this person, um, CEO, uh, savant, whoever they may be, uh, what they're saying, to really listen, to really take time to, um, to do their own research, to ask questions, to speak to other people in the space. And what's also important is to get outside perspective, you know, in these communities. And it's fascinating because it's such a... I mean, the crypto community is one that, is, that stretches beyond jurisdictions. And one needs to also be mindful of not just asking other sort of believers, uh, what, what do we do here? We're just going to hold to the moon. Um, to also get an outsider's perspective and to take that time because what we've seen in practice, once that money, once that crypto leaves your account, it becomes incredibly difficult, irrespective of, of legislation and these wonderful um, regulations that exist globally and now uh, soon um, domestically. It is tough. Um, and that is why, um, you know, people like Sam Bankman-Fried will now be the poster child of, of the effects of, of, of what it means to subvert Many, uh, many, many um, uh, laws um, to the detriment of your clients, and yeah. so, 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 so that those are some of the things that that one needs to be mindful of when it comes to scams and, and bad actors. That that you are effectively the first barrier, uh, not uh, uh, people in short, and uh, and not uh, smartly dressed lawyers either. That you know, ultimately, it, it, it becomes difficult because to to seek solace after the fact, it's, it's tough. So one also understands the sort of proactive approach that the FECA has taken um, to immediately combat these bad actors and to get ahead of it uh, by virtue of some of the uh, immediately applicable. Um, provisions um, that, that, that all crypto market participants participant have to comply with. So, I mean, those are, are, are some of the things where, where 2022 is largely, uh, this is a time for self-reflection and for uh, jotting down in your uh, resolution uh, not, to, not to get duped. Resolution number one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you get a failure like FTX, which was pretty spectacular, and, and also earlier in the year, Terra Luna, which really was the bigger one in terms of the financial damage that it did to the crypto market, you do get this tendency, and it's in the press as well, people tend to smear the entire crypto space. It's worth mentioning that decentralized finance platforms like Uniswap, Bitcoin itself, continued to operate exactly as they were programmed to do. 
in other words, every 10 minutes, Bitcoin is going to issue a new bunch of coins and Uniswap is going to trade uh, and with as, as little counterparty risk as possible. These ones that failed were centralized players. In other words, that there was control by one individual or a group of individuals who were able to make some astonishingly uh, bad decisions. What are some of the misconceptions about crypto that need correcting in your opinion? So some of the misconceptions is that that it exists for purposes of profiteering, right? So this is a space where we are going to speculate and, and make bucket loads of money every five minutes because we're going to get, you know, thousand percent returns. And anyone that truly looks at that or even reconsiders that view, if it was a view previously held, is one that is definitely misaligned with uh, with reality. So, I mean, it's interesting because there's so many other things. I mean, it's not just buying and selling and, and arbitrage. Is I mean, you mentioned Uniswap and um, some of the decentralized exchanges. And I mean, I've been watching the sort of development of, of Uniswap for quite some time from the actual launch of Uniswap. And it's not even that long ago. That could have been about two odd, odd years ago when they launched the decentralized exchange and they had such a massive rollout in the way they actually um, got and rewarded early users. So what they did was they, uh, on Uniswap's launch, they did a, a airdrop. And so basically people who um, used the platform was during a certain time in the early days. I think back then it was about 250 unique coins per wallet address. And it effectively meant that people from across the world, whether you were in uh, the East, whether you were in South Africa, in Antarctica, anywhere, you stood this exact same uh, sort of chance of, of getting that just from being an early user. And the Uniswap platform is one which, I mean, it started naturally as a as a, a centralized project, which then evolved into a mechanism which allows for governance voting. But that platform has done incredibly well by virtue of its ease of use. And, and ultimately, it, it, it has the liquidity uh, and deep liquidity to facilitate uh, various uh, exchange activities. But it's largely uh, an exchange that exists uh, as a result of its own users because it equally rewarded users for providing liquidity underpinning uh, some of those transactions. So Uniswap, you definitely saw an increase in volume as a result of, of some of the centralized exchanges going through some difficulties. But what is important to also note is that FTX and, and, and many of the reporting around it, I mean, ultimately, if you really look at it, uh, it's most likely a, a failure in, in corporate governance, a failure in not having uh, checks and balances, a failure in not fully understanding the nature of the role. And a person who is entrusted with millions, billions of, of fiat or crypto, that they are custodians and that they have a fiduciary responsibility to their clients in in keeping those funds safe. And I think, you know, people pay such a high value on you know, these, these total value locked assets under management because it's a reflection of 
the size of this project and all of this. And founders get very excited. Um, but, uh, you know, one also needs to be concerned when founders get that excited because ultimately that's not a piggyback. That is not your reserve. And I think during 2022, people also learned about, uh, you know, fractional reserves. And that was a, a big uh, buzzword around 2022 as to what's happening with funds. And we've seen the responses as to what FTX said. They said, no, 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 our customer agreements say that it allows us uh, on certain margin accounts to, to trade uh, with your fund. And clients were shocked because who reads the, t- the P's and C's when they sign up? Yeah. So those kinds of things are important when you consider um, the current fl- frameworks that are now being put in place. When it comes to dealing with retail, the kinds of disclosures, the kinds of things you can say in your marketing, your complaints management processes, all those things uh, would have been difficult for uh, SPF to, to pull off the exact same thing in South Africa because equally we still have very powerful regulators, financial intelligence center, uh, so that being the FIC, the Reserve Bank, the banks in themselves, together with um, the various enforcement mechanisms that exist and that have existed before crypto that was stole because ultimately they are running companies uh, beyond before a crypto asset business is a business they also register pty and there are um, responsibilities that a business owner has when it comes to how they operate so those are all things that that favors the, the african um, regulators when it comes to that and when you and i mean ftx will be a a case study for many years to come in the manner in which it was operated and its sort of opaque nature of flow of funds. No one quite knew. And after these things happen, it's always the same thing. Everyone's confused. No one knows what's going on. The, um, the businesses, but equally the, the capital that, that flows in that gives rise to these massive valuations that allows them to sponsor stadiums and Formula One teams. It's the sort of um, uh, halo effect where surely I can trust this. Their name is on a stadium. There must have been tons of advisors and very smart people that mm. would have looked at this. Yeah. And clearly that was not the case. So, I mean, those are the things that are things of the past that people should be more critical. Uh, yeah, that I, I think both retail and financiers. I think the the few lessons that we learned in 2022, just as you pointed out, you know that these crypto companies can pretty much operate like a bank. You, like like with a bank, uh, you you put your money on deposit there. It's up to the bank how they deploy that money or on lend it or speculate with it. Um, if you don't read the terms and conditions of the exchange that you're you're dealing with, you might. F- be very shocked to see what happens to that money. So I think one of the things is self-custody, you know, uh, take your money off exchanges, put it in a wallet, whether it's a software wallet or a hardware wallet. And also, I guess the other key lesson is read the terms and conditions, which, uh, to be honest, I didn't, uh, you know, when I first got into crypto, but I certainly am now. Uh, And that's the one we've learned. I mean, I want to ask you this as a lawyer specializing in crypto. Are, are you getting quite busy with people wanting to understand what these regulations are all about? Or what is the nature of the work that you do in the crypto space as a lawyer? So in, in, the, in the space, I mean, traditionally, um, our firm assists um, you know, many 
conventional FSPs um, that don't just operate in the crypto environment. But we've also, you know, we've had a very keen interest in the crypto environment for, for quite some time. So what do people expect of lawyers? Would it be safe to say miracles? <laughs> so that's not, uh, that's not what we do. So it's largely, um, I mean, as I said earlier, for many participants, it is their first time, uh, you know, approaching a law firm, uh, approaching professionals that equally ask um, critical questions uh, when it comes to some of the components of the business. So it's a good exercise for businesses to be, to be able to test their own structures, right? So, I mean, law firms don't exist for purposes of cheerleading and saying, wow, you're such a great uh, mind. No, we are, are here um, and, as a legal fraternity to ensure the checks and balances, to make sure that what is put out to the public is what's going on because law firms are equally responsible and accountable for the legal advice that they give. So we assist businesses largely depending on the nature of, of what it is they're doing, be it developers, be it traders, be it um, people developing more bespoke kind of, of technologies in the space. So it's largely dependent on, on what it is a prospective client is, is looking to do. And it's one of those things where, where people often come in and everyone thinks that they have a unique, great idea that no one else has ever done before or heard of. And I mean, as a firm that has been in the space for quite some time, you know, we are able to, um, to assist in, in making sure that, that that makes sense and that makes legal sense and that it's compliant. That it doesn't, I mean, our jobs are, are not exclusively here to ensure that businesses go out in the world and, and make millions and millions. It's to ensure that it's compliant, that it's legal, uh, that it's able to have a sound banking relationship, that it's able to participate internationally, but also ensuring that it meets its various South African Reserve Bank requirements and tax requirements and all the rest. So, I mean, there are many more components beyond the technology um, that law firms are required to, to look at and assess. Okay, final question. What are the big stories to look out for in 2023? And are we through with the scandals yet? Or are we gonna, can we expect more of that to come in the next few months after mm, FTX? If I, had, if I had a magic ball, I'd be able to identify this for you. <laughs> to say in three weeks' time, we will be anticipating a drop here and a drop there. I think uh, generally some of the interesting things that, that I have at, at least seen uh, in 2023, is the rise of of, of, um, of artificial intelligence um, uh, bolts. And I mean, one of the popular products gained massive traction is that chat GPT, which was uh, quite a fascinating uh, technology to, to play around with. And what it allows people to do, at least in its current format, and it, I mean, people are able to ask this algorithm questions and it, and it answers in very detailed ways. But as to how this could be relevant for crypto is, is that it could introduce a, another sort of layer of, of adoption in that people that might have ideas in, in building out projects that don't particularly have the programming experience are now able to use 
chat GPT and, and similar algorithms and similar artificial, artificial intelligence world to actually develop the ideas for them. So, so, I mean, as to how people would be able to innovate on existing layers of crypto asset technologies, that could be um, something to look out for. And, uh, and I can anticipate that, that, I mean, from what uh, I've seen online, people have been able to do quite a lot of crazy things with it. So I can imagine it's a, a, a could introduce a bit more uh, use cases um, in that it's giving more people access to develop. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I was playing around with ChatGPT yesterday. It, it, it is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, they say, this is the Google killer. The Google killer, <laughs> if if you believe them. But one of the questions I asked it is, uh, "What's your price prediction for Bitcoin in December 2023?" And it yeah, came back yeah. and says, "We don't provide predictions." <laughs> yes, yes, and hopefully it doesn't provide legal advice either. <laughs> so right. Russell will have a job this year. <laughs> yes, and and just to be clear, ChatGPT often the answers are not correct. It's mm. only as good as the the information it's fed. I, I think there are all kinds of problems around artificial intelligence that have to be sorted out. Mm. I, I mean, for example, mm. it is building on uh, the work and the study and the intelligence that, of, of humans, you know, and, and millions of them yes. that have gone before it. So it's able to access yes. all of this and create a so-called artificially intelligent answer. <laughs> Does raise questions about uh, plagiarism and that sort of thing. You know, for example, artists uh, so w one of the the platforms provided by open ai is dali mm. which will draw you yes. a, a picture a really amazing picture you know you just say give me a picture of bitcoin running up a hill and it'll come up with something <laughs> but uh, artists you, are, are very know. upset by yeah. that whereas coders are quite happy yes. because you know coders always <laughs> run into a problem you know i can't quite solve this problem can you develop me a little yeah. piece of code that'll integrate this with that what yeah. do you think and i've seen i mean uh, that was, I mean, ChatGPT was released, but then a few weeks after that, another uh, uh, protocol was released that is able to identify if ChatGPT is being used. You know, so so I mean, I'm sure all those students that are, are looking to, uh, to finalize their thesis in, a, in in 15 minutes I might have some <laughs> difficulty with that. I tell you, I think the days of homework are over once once kids learn this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Darren Hanacom, we're going to leave it there. That was a fascinating discussion. Thanks very much. Uh, we certainly look forward to having you back on again because this is going to be the year when your, your kind of professionalism is going to be required. We're going to have regulations. We're going to see a lot of changes in the crypto space. So we'll certainly stay in touch. Thanks very much for joining us on the Money with Crypto podcast. for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.